welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, it's great to have you here. Good morning, everybody. We had a really wonderful weekend last weekend up at Elkana with uh, the men that could make it. It was actually a really great time. Was that Danny clapping just then? Um, it's good. Good times. You're a rowdy bunch today. Don't know what's going on, but it's, it's all good. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you um, make your way to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start there and, um, well, we're going to land there in a minute. Um, but yeah, it is good to have you. Like Ehab said, um, we do have, um, just generally after the service, we hang out a fair bit. And so coffee is always free. So come grab a coffee. Someone will be there taking your order details and um, all the millions of milks um, on offer um, that aren't really milks. I know. I felt a bit of judgment just then. I felt tension in the atmosphere. It's a nut not a cow. Um, and I felt those glaring eyes. I was discerning in the spirit just then. Um, but we do, we have all of those things, nuts and milk combined together, make almond milk. Anyway, let's move on. Oat, how do you get milk out of that? But you do. Um, anyway, let's just stop. Um, and so it is good. Hang, hang out, grab a coffee after. Um, as he had mentioned, we have a kind of um, get to know us lunch. And uh, that's just outside it's going to be happening pretty much straight after the service it's where we just share our kind of our values what we're about and so hang around you don't didn't need to well, it would help if you RSVP next time um, but just come hang out it's going to be good and then emotionally healthy spirituality is also happening um, which we're hearing really great reports about um, a lot of really good feedback which is a course a part of one of our learning experiences that we run so it's good um, well, I attempted to start a kind of series of messages, if you like, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, and the Holy Spirit kind of just did his thing, the thing that he does that we just try to get out of the way of, and it's all good. Um, and uh, But I want to start having a conversation with us as a church, like we do every, just about every year, um, on the topic of stewardship. And uh, our last year's uh, series on stewardship, I want to be really clear because I think uh, people start getting a little bit nervous when the pastor talks about stewardship because they think the conversation's about money. Now, we will spend, like we, if you haven't noticed, we don't do an offering talk here on Sundays where someone gets up and does a sermon about the offering to try to get you to give, give your money. Um, that's going to be on the internet, I'm sure. Um, but we, we don't do that on a weekly basis. We believe that all give, we believe, first and well, I'll just say this, we believe that Jesus modelled what giving was all about and he modelled giving by laying his entire life down. And so we believe that in the New Testament version of Giving is not 10%, it's 100%. <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to talk about money, and I'm not. That's the point. The point is I'm talking about like, who... Uh-oh, someone's leaving. <laughs> so good. So good, sorry. Okay, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to get the FPOS machine and hand it around. <laughs> Praise God. Um... But we don't, <laughs> oh, it's good, tap and go just down the aisles. You'd be surprised it happens. But anyway, um, the point is, is um, like you're so concerned, you and I can be so concerned about money. Can I just have a little bit more out of this, please? Um, you and I are so concerned about money because the truth is, is money is something that has us instead of us having money. And so we get nervous 
about money and, and absolutely from the pulpit in church life absolutely has the topic of giving and finances been used to manipulate the church or people to give for sure absolutely but you're not in that church and so in order for us to move forward that's a mental hurdle that you've got to get over because like I said we don't do an offering talk every single week but uh, every year we will specifically talk about finances because uh, it's a, a part of our life sometimes a very big part sometimes a controlling part and I think you and I would agree that it is an impacting part of our world. And so we want to get God's mind on it. We want to see what the Bible says about it. And so today we're not talking so much about money. I'm giving you some warning, maybe not to come over the next few weeks if you don't want, because uh, we will talk about money at times. But really the message of stewardship is ultimately a message around your life. And it's not around 10%, it's around 100%. Is that good? It is good. And so let's pray. Then we're going to talk. We're going to read the Bible. And then we'll go from there. Father, we just thank you. Your word is powerful, has the ability to divide between spirit and flesh, bone and marrow, the very thought of our hearts. And so, Father, today we come before you right now, humbly asking for you to come and speak into us, come and change us. We're presenting ourselves here before you, acknowledging that we've been, that we have a story of origin and that for most of us, our truth has come from a whole lot of places and at times it hasn't come from your word. And so we're submitting our culture, our background, we're submitting the, the things that we've received from our parents and their parents and the world that we live in. We're submitting it before you today and we're just asking really simply, Holy Spirit, Show us and empower us so that our world, our view, our choices would be aligned with your word. Father, we really want to see your kingdom come. We really want to see uh, this world impacted with the message of the good news of Jesus. And Father, we want that to happen through every area of our lives. So we submit ourselves to you and we ask for you to come. We ask for you to move in this room today, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, our world is absolutely consumed with this idea of stuff, isn't it? It's always about getting more. It's around uh, getting, if you get it, got a house, you're looking at what you need to do to that house, or you're looking at getting a bigger house, or if you got the car, you're looking at the next car. I mean, this is a generalization, obviously, but we do live in a world where a lot of what um, the world is committed to is just trying to get more. Just get more, get more and get more and get more and get more. And so the Apostle Paul taught us that we've got to be a people that live with contentment because often, more often, well, the the church historically over the last 20 years have taught us that prosperity is connected to money exclusively. It's connected to stuff exclusively. But the truth is, is what good is it if, if you've got a billion dollars in the bank, but you're taking your last breath because you're dying of cancer? What good is it if you've got health in your body but you're estranged from your children? What good is it if you've got the Lambo, the Ferrari, the Bentley? If you do, let's go for a cruise later on. But what good is it if you've got all those things, right? You've got all those things, but your mind is broken. And so a better definition of prosperity, I believe a more factual, biblical one around the idea of prosperity is this, write this down, nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. And it is God's desire, I'm going to say it, <laughs> I'm going to say it, come on, I'm going to say it, it is God's desire for you and I to prosper. I didn't say it's God's desire for us to accumulate all this stuff. 
I'm saying it's God's desire for us to prosper, to live in a space where there's nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. We all, we, we've seen it. We've seen some of, the, some of the most profile people over the years end up like with fame and all the likes and the followers and walking the red carpet and looking really good and having all the material possessions. And we've seen these people historically in Hollywood take their own lives. Why? Because there was something missing. There was something lacking and there was something broken. And so it's God's desire to, when he saved us, to save us in a holistic way. And so a part of this stewardship message starts in the, in the space of us believing that God has an intent for our life, that nothing is myth, missing, nothing is lacking, and nothing is broken. And so in your body right now, God's plan for your body and for the healing of your body is that nothing is missing, nothing is lacking, nothing is broken. It's his character and it's his nature. And so whilst healing doesn't always happen in the, uh, in the absolute hyper-faith version of that, we still have a fundamental belief that God's intention for our lives is nothing missing, nothing lacking and nothing broken. And so in this world that we live in, a world that's consumed by consuming, we must have a differentiation about who we are when we're approaching the subject, this subject today around stuff, around stewardship. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus teaches have the context of money and stuff in them. And I began to think, and this is a really simple revelation, but I began to think, why do so many of these, you know, these stories, these, these teaching tools, why do so many of them have to do with money or stuff? And I just simply felt in my heart the Holy Spirit to say, because the stuff that we're meant to have at times has us. And so true worship comes from the heart. And that's why over the years I've seen so many people give money, do this, do that. Like in one breath, it's like, praise God for it. But the, the thing that you must steward the most is the heart. The heart, the motives of the heart. Luke 14 verse 33 says this, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus doesn't mess around, does he? <laughs> Jesus isn't the Sunday morning empower church pastor. <laughs> oh, you're so quiet. This is so fun. Just looking at me. You start talking anything to do with money, finance, everyone. I think he's talking to that person. Um, but Jesus said, if, if you can't forsake all. And what he's saying is he's not saying you can't have that stuff. He's saying that stuff can't have you. And if that stuff inhibits you from being obedient, that's how you know whether that stuff's got you. I heard a preacher this week say, uh, he basically said, my prayer when I pray is I'm always praying, God, never give me something that you know my heart won't be able to give away. So God, this is him saying it. So God, don't give me the house if you know my heart's not prepared to give it away. Don't give me the car. Don't give me the money. Don't give me the stuff if you know my heart's not ready to give it away. And so... This scripture here about forsaking all, is, it's a heart thing. And really in this journey is you and I know this because we've done this ourselves with our lives over the years if we've been in church for a while, where we've done a lot of stuff that looks really good Christian, right? But the heart's not in it. It looks really religious, and you know that Jesus rocked the world of the religious. Jesus loved hanging out with sinners. We don't often see him in his three years of ministry time 
hanging out with, the, with church people unless he's really in there to rock their worlds. Because there's something about the church system that at times can steal our heart away from God. There's something about the church system that plays a role in us thinking we're doing really good things for God. Us thinking, but our hearts are just disconnected. Can we just break this down a little bit more? Is that all right? Can we just have some honest family talk? If you're visiting, just block your ears. Like some of us, some of us, our Sunday attendance, you know your Sunday attendance doesn't get you to heaven, right? You know, being in here, like we're so grateful that you're here. Like we're so, we're, we, I'm not encouraging you not to be here. I'm just saying when you're here, be here. You know what I'm saying? When you're here, have a heart that is open to what the Spirit wants to do. Have a heart that says, hey, if I'm here today, I want to learn something. I want to grow. I want to worship in a way that I've never worshipped before. Why? Because it's all about your heart. If you can't lay it down in your heart, you'll never be able to lay it down in your life. And this is why the area of stuff and stewardship is so important. There's a law revolving, a spiritual law revolving um, connected to all of our giving, generosity, tithing, uh, giving, all the offerings, worship, all those sorts of things. And it's the, a simple, it's a law that I want to call the law of complete surrender. And the law of complete surrender says, suggests this, that if your heart is not right, the offering is refused. If the heart is not right, the offering is rejected. If the heart is not right, you can put 10 grand in that offering bucket that we don't pass around. Cold hard cash, a big wad, go for your life. But if the heart is not right, the offering is rejected. You can lift your hands, you can jump up and down, you can know when to say amen in the preaching to build my self-esteem up. You can do all those sorts of things, but if the heart is not right, you can respond, you can do all those sorts of things, but if the heart is not right, the offering is rejected. In fact, God is so committed to this principle that he actually says, this isn't just about you and me. This is actually about you and them, you and me. And so if I have a, an offense towards Isaac, whether he's offended me somehow or whether I've offended him somehow, God teaches us, Jesus teaches us, I want you to leave your gift at the altar. Why leave it there? Because I can't take it anyway. And so the law of complete surrender says, your heart has to be right before man and right before God before that offering is accepted. And so we've got to be these people that steward our hearts. We steward our hearts. Let's read, the, let's read the scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read a few verses. It's something you know. The parable of the talents. And then I want to give you four. Four? Yeah, I'm going to give you some points. I don't know how many. Three. Three points. And um, we're just going to talk around that and go home. Let's read from verse 14. We got it up there. Shall we read it together? That was a no. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded them with, went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. And he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And so he who had received five 
talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you've delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. If you were faithful over a few, I'll make you ruler over many. There's another spiritual law right there. There's a principle that you need to see. If you can be faithful with a few, I'll make you faithful over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Verse 22 reads, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over few. I'll make you ruler over many things. If you're looking for promotion in any area of life, including in the realm of the spirit, because God is a God of order and principle. And even the spiritual realm, right? Even the spiritual realm operates by laws. And so that's why all of us as Christians, I'm jumping ahead of my notes here, but that's why all of us as Christians, we all have the same access to power, but some of us don't walk in the actual authority of that power. That's why the, the Apostle Paul, have you ever wondered why he's like, you know, you're a slanderer, you're a liar, you did this, you said that, you said that, you won't inherit the kingdom of God? He's not talking about you won't be saved because you lied. Because it's not behaviorally based, our salvation. It's not works based. It's by grace that we are saved through faith, right? So that's how we're saved. So what is the scriptures, what are the, what is, what are the epistles trying to tell us? They're trying to say that there are spiritual laws that we've got to live by. And so if you can't... Um, you're self-sabotaging the very access that Jesus made available to you by the lifestyle that you're choosing to live. And so in doing so, you have access like we all do to these levels of power, anointing, but you self-sabotage the access by how you live. Does that make sense? Let's keep, keep reading. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who received one talent came back and said, Lord, I knew you to be the hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, and listen, Genesis 1.26 is connected to this. This is exactly what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. They went and hid, and they covered what God had given them. Anyway, that's, we won't go there, but my mind really, really wants to. He, look, ha, here, have what's your law. Answer him said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. So you would have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from, him who, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Three quick observations I want you to write down about this and then we're gonna talk about each three. Number one, write this down. Now about we're talking about stewardship. We're not just talking about money now. We're talking about your life. We're talking about your talents. We're talking about your words. We're talking about the opportunities that are before you. We're talking about you as a father and the opportunity you have to, to shift something generationally over your children. We're talking about you as a mother, the same sort of thing. We're talking about you and your job. We're talking about every aspect of your life when we're talking about stewardship today, okay? Money is just one aspect of it. Money is, the, is, is not a really important aspect of this conversation. Your words are far more powerful than the money that's in your bank account, trust me. Your words can have a really big impact. So can your money, but we're, I'm trying to create a balance here. So when I say stewardship, you're not thinking cashola, you're thinking heart, you're thinking the full expression of your life. Is that okay? The first observation about uh, from Matthew chapter 25 around stewardship is simply this. Number one, I am not the owner. I want you to write that down. 
I am not the owner. The first principle of stewardship that we've got to understand is that everything that you have, including the very breath in your lungs, is not your own. It's borrowed. It is the master's on loan for you. I am not the owner. Psalms 50 verse 12 says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you. (laughs) For the world is mine and all its fullness. God, through the psalmist, is, is saying, Hey, I don't need to tell anyone that I'm hungry. The world, the whole thing is mine and the fullness of the world is mine. It's his. So the question is, if God owns it all, how much do you and I own? If there's 100%, okay, this is not a trick question. If there's 100% and we're saying that God owns 100%, how much do we own? Thank you. (laughs) Everyone's like, I'm not sure this is, he's leading me. It's a trap. (laughs) Don't say anything, it's a trap. Zero. But God is so generous that what he does is he goes, here's some, here's some, here's some, here's some. God owns it all. So one of the significant differences between an immature and a mature believer is around this idea of stewardship. Stewardship comes from this word. It actually anchors back into the story of Joseph. Did you know that? Where he was a manager in a lot of different areas of his life. He was a manager in Potiphar's house. What was he? He was a steward. And because he was a steward, what happened? He was a steward over the little. And as a result of stewarding, managing, looking after, bringing increase to, bringing glory to God in that thing, God used that even though he was really a slave at that point in time. God used that because it's a spiritual law. If you look after a little, God promotes you into more. And so he was given more. Then he was thrown into prison and the same thing happens. Man, imagine being the jailer in that time. You would have been stoked to have Joseph in prison because Joseph's getting people in order. Joseph's managing things. Joseph is in the... Is in the... Is in the uh, he's in the crappiest situation ever. That's what I wanted to say, and I thought that might not be a church word, but it, there it is. It is today. He is in a terrible situation, an absolutely horrific situation. I just covered it up with some more words. His his situation is terrible, but he is a good steward of what he has. He's not complaining. I'm sure he had down days, up days, down days challenging days. God, what about the dream? What about when you said this? What about when you said I'd get healed? What about when you said this about my business? What about you said this when you said this about my kids? What about when you said this about that? What about I saw my brothers bowing down and now I'm a slave and all these sorts of things. But no, Joseph keeps on stewarding what is in his hands. He keeps looking at the thing that is that the circumstance that he's in, and he's not saying God changed the circumstance. That is a prayer. Listen, I'm about to say something. That is a prayer of the Western church. God changed my circumstance. Now, sometimes circumstances change, but that has become our default position of prayer. God is less concerned about changing your circumstance and far more concerned about changing you. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's clap. (laughs) I'm just helping you because it's about four people. He's more concerned about your transformation. Sometimes pain is an absolute gift. God uses all things. And so we, we see here that we, one of the differences between an immature and a mature believer is how are you managing the stuff that God has lent you? You know, what the, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, well, the, the most important thing to me, other than God getting glory out of my life, is how I steward my family. 
I take it with a great sense of um, importance. It's, it's the most important thing. I don't, I'm not really driven by crowds or money or this or that. Where I'm, where, what, what's really in my heart is being the best father I can, being the best husband I can. And I'm a steward in that place. Sometimes it's difficult. <laughs> like just being honest, like may, maybe the Mr. Noma is that the pastors, all everything's good. And like Alicia and I's marriage is fantastic, wonderful, praise God. I'm not trying to sow any kind of weird ideas or anything like that. But I'm just trying to let you know that it's real. Like we're two living normal people. You know, I leave the toilet seat up, believe it or not. She doesn't squeeze the toothpaste from the right end. Pray for her, please. Seriously, pray for her. We all have those things, right? Like, we, we, all, have, we all have things, but we're, we're, we're stewards. And how we, we have decisions. I can see family, husbands and wives. Like, see, I told you. Put the toilet seat down. <laughs> That's the greatest revelation a man is going to get in this message today. But the, 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 the ultimate question I'm wanting, or statement and thing that I'm wanting you to understand is that you, God owns everything. We are just stewards. And so the question around relationships, around everything, our mind, this is a big one. You wonder why you're tra- struggling with mental health for years and years and years and years and years and years. Sometimes it's around what we're feeding this. Sometimes it's a whole lot of other things that are outside of your control. I'm not trying to dumb that down at all. But I'm just trying to let you know that you have a responsibility to steward your mind. Your eyes and your ears are like gates to your soul. And so the more rubbish that you have in here, it's like your body. Breathe in. You know, if you're feeding your body with rubbish, then... Thank you. That's going to happen, you know. It's the same with the area of your mind, your will, your emotions. Because we're feeding ourselves. So we've got to be good stewards. So God made it. This is what I'm saying. God made it, but I get to manage it. It's his to give and ours to manage. Yeah? It's his to give and ours to manage. It's like how I, I treat my kids' phones when we give them a phone. When they're 13, they've had devices and all that. But when they get a SIM card, because, you know, they're, they're real humans now when they get to 13. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Um, everyone's like, oh, this is such a weird environment. Everyone's so quiet. <laughs> but when we give them a phone for school and for all those sorts of things, they know that there's going to be a level of accountability. Come on, somebody. And so we're going to check in on, on that. We have their codes. We have all those sorts of things. I can pass them out later on. Um, <laughs> it belongs to God. We get to manage it for a season. Number two. So number one was I'm not the owner. Number two is I am a steward. I'm a steward. Deuteronomy 8.18, let's rush through this. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And this next word is important. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So why does God give us the power, the ability to get wealth? It is for, it is for a reason. That word, that where, where is it? That word that there points us and makes us ask a why. Why do we get to manage God's stuff? It is so that God, through our lives, can establish his covenant. Are you with me this morning? So God blesses us with stuff. God gives us stuff. Doesn't matter what that is. And, and I don't want you to underestimate. I don't want to say stuff. There's a, an invisible realm of the stuff that God gives you, like the area of your soul. As I said before, I want you to really think intently and deeply about the power of your words, 
There's a spiritual law that I'll talk about in the next few weeks around the power of confession, that God gave you a mouth for a really specific reason, an important reason. You were created in the image of God, in the image and likeness of God. And as a result, the Bible tell, shows us through how Jesus lived, but also through how he created the world that um, that we have to steward it. When we do, we release things. So I don't want you to think, oh, well, I don't have any money, so I don't have a job, or I don't have this. No, you've all got stuff. You've all got talents. God made you artistic or musical or really smart with strategy or I don't know what it might be, but all I know is, is that you've got something. Your life, God has put something incredible inside of it for you to steward and bless the world with. Yeah, and so um, it's saying that that God gives you the power to get well. That it is for a reason, and I believe that the moment we become untethered from living for the why is the moment that we end up living for the what. The moment that we become untethered to the why we start exclusively living for the what. So that's really easy to explain in a money sense, especially in kingdom, in church world. God, I want to finance the kingdom. That's the prayer. We get a good job. The career goes well. The business takes off. God gives us money. We have sustained, sustained success. It's the same sort of thing in church life for pastors. We start churches. Things start going well two, three, four, five, six years and you, if you're not careful, you get so busy in the what, you forget the why. But the why is the whole reason of why you're there. Why, what purpose is this about? It's that God's kingdom might be established. So the why is really, really important. I heard a preacher, don't shoot me down for this, but he said this, he said, so God gives you the power to get money so that you can be his king, you, sorry, so that you can extend his kingdom. And then he said this, he said, you are like God's bank to the world. You're like an ATM. In the sense, not in the sense of cash money, like we're not doing these ones, but in the sense of this talent and resource inside of you. That the world in their brokenness, you have a blessing locked up inside of you for someone else. And so we get the wonderful opportunity to steward what is inside of us. And you'll be offended by that statement if you don't understand stewardship. Because God is saying that I've given you stuff so that you can multiply and increase it and use it to build my kingdom. And stewardship is how that increase takes place. The third thing and the last thing is that is more of a question, am I a good steward? Am I a good steward? Luke 12, 16 to 21 reads like this. Then he spoke to them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he brought, and, and he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. <laughs> Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your song will be required of you. Then, those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for, this is the word, himself for himself and he's not rich towards God. God did not rebuke him for having wealth or for being rich. He rebuked him for living for himself and for not thinking about anyone else or caring for anyone else. And so stewardship is understanding that you are carrying a blessing Listen, you might want to write this down. Stewardship is understanding that you ca are carrying a blessing that is not meant for you. Did you hear that? 
You are carrying a blessing that is not meant for you. You're a steward. And when you prayed, God, use me, God's trying. When you said, Lord, use me, I know because I pray that prayer a lot, less these days because I realize how dangerous that prayer is. But when we're praying God use us and then we sit around waiting for him to use us and he's sitting around waiting for you to use what you already have. You're gifted, you're talented. One of the things that you and I have got to get really good at stewarding in this time is our time. Can we have another just family moment? Is that all right? I reckon if you have, I'm just going to, I'm going to go, I'm going all out this morning. I reckon if you have kids that attend our kids ministry, I reckon that you should put, go on a roster once a month. We're not making it a rule. All the kids workers are clapping and amening. The kids pastors are in the room. I'm surprised they're not standing up like T.D. Jake style. Come on, somebody. But I reckon, I reckon, I reckon that you should consider doing that. I really do. I reckon you should, don't be on all day, every, you know. I reckon if, if you call Empower Church your home, I think you should be having a really just conversation with yourself and the Holy Spirit and your family. How can we contribute? What does that look like? Because what we don't want to get trapped into as our church grows is the rhythms of what every other Western church looks like, where it's like 20% of the people are the volunteers and then everyone else is just a bum on a seat. I'm saying that respectfully. Like, I'm, I refuse. You are in the wrong church if you want to just be an attender. Can we just be honest? Because I'm not in this for like filling auditoriums. I'm in this for disciples. I'm in this for changing a nation. I'm in this for seeing nations impacted for the glory of God. So I reckon we're, we're stewards. And you know what the, the, the worst thing about serving is? It's hard. Do you know what the worst thing, and you know why we struggle with stewardship in general? is because it's completely inconvenient. And I want to take the opportunity to you on behalf of previous leadership that you might have been under or even under my leadership that you've been under where I just haven't had the guts to say what really needs to be said. I'm sorry for babying you in that way. I'm sorry for creating consumer Christians by doing everything for you. <laughs> really quiet now and I'm saying this not because we're going to have a volunteer code come up QR code where you all sign up I don't it's not even about that it's about acknowledging that you steward something and you've got a blessing inside of you that's connected to some to to what's inside of you was a miracle to someone else and if you realize that it was a miracle to someone else you would have given it to them already But because you and I are so anchored, we're about to go deep now, right into your soul, right into your heart, right to where your worship lies. Because can I just say it how it comes to my head? And I'm saying it to me, I'm not saying it to you, okay? I'm saying it, I'm saying it how the Holy Spirit would speak to me. Matt, you were so consumed. Your life revolves, Matt Garner, your life revolves around this third dimensional world that you often miss the opportunities that I want to use you because it doesn't meet the way that Matt Garner likes things to move. Serving and stewardship, stewardship is inconvenient. It's time consuming, it's challenging. It's the sort of thing that as soon as you commit to doing something, oh, hell breaks loose, not using that metaphorically. 
with a kid or something, bringing to, into question the very commitment that you've just tried to make. You with me? Someone offends you, can't serve in that place because that person said this or they did that or whatever. If you're perfect, fantastic. Let me just say as well, like, as your pastor, I am not your conduit to restoring with other people. So if you come to me and say, oh, hey, this has happened with that person, I'm going to say, well, have you talked to that person? Just go and chat with them. And then the biblical process from there is if that doesn't get restored there, then someone else comes. And if that doesn't get restored there, then it comes to the elders and we deal with it. Are you learning something? So let's close. I'd invite the keyboards up, but that's me. <laughs> and I'm up. Anyone play chopsticks or anything like that? Dun, dun, dun. Josh Galata, jump up, bro. Yeah. It's up to you, bro, but don't, don't feel any pressure. But if you don't, God might... No, no, I'm not... That's uh, good. So we've got to, in this, in this conversation around stewardship pertaining to everything, we've really got to be inviting the Holy Spirit into this space. Because I reckon some of the most effective ministry that God's got for you, for your now and for your future, is not when you go on a mission trip, it's actually in the world that you live in right now. It's in your workplace. It's with that left-wing, pro-LGBTQ, plus seven, whatever. It's with them. It's in that space. LGP, L, can't even talk but properly anyway, but you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's with it, it, some of your greatest ministry that God's put a blessing inside of you is to minister to others that are of a different political persuasion. It's with those that are transitioning into genders, other genders. Some of the greatest ministry is those that really annoying boss that you have. No church staff can say amen. <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's. It's in just the grind of life. It's, it's, it's some of the greatest ministries that is that person that you see at the gym. It's the single mum that you see dropping her kids off at school. It's right there. It's with your own children and your own spouse and your own kids. It's with the checkout person that you see every single time at the Coles or Woolworths or IGA or Audi or whatever. It's that. It's there. It's right there. It's right there, it's with your friends, it's with your family, it's right there. And you and I, we're saying, God, we use us for your glory. And he's going, yes, I'm trying right here. Right here, right now. And so we must learn to be people that don't live out of this. Remember, we're not, we're in this world, but we are not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. And so when we see people that are, are different to us in a whole lot of ways and the world is going to get more and more full of different people in different ways, that's okay. God is not insecure about different people. And you know how God sees those different people? God sees those different people as someone that he shed his blood for. And he loves dearly. And the miracle of their healing is often found in the people that we call the church. And so we've got to be good stewards, stewards and stewards. There's a good steward over there. Let's pray. We're going to go. Why don't we stand to our feet? I think one of the big things that I want you to be hearing today is that stewardship, and as I said, we're going to talk about money in a few weeks' time, but stewardship is actually a very spiritual practice. 
There are some things in your life, in my life, like, so we believe in tithing, for example. Now, we don't believe that tithing gets you to heaven. We don't really mind. If you don't tithe, that's up to you. We don't really mind. Like, this isn't that money-hungry type of situation. We're okay that within this room there exists differing opinions around tithing. Two, that's okay. Some believe it was Old Testament and so therefore it was done away with in the law and all those sorts of things. That's fine. People, I'm okay with that. What I personally believe about tithing is that I believe tithing, um, we get caught up on like 10%. <laughs> like I started, it's like 10% not even the real thing. What I believe personally about tithing is that it's a spiritual law that was instituted way, way back that brings about breakthrough. Oh, music. That was smart. And so I believe in the spiritual law of tithing that it does something. But I want to clarify that none of our behaviour makes us right with God. It's only Jesus. So if you don't want to tithe, you don't have to. Our prayer around this space of stewardship with everything is that you would invite the Holy Spirit into this space and that you and the Holy Spirit and the diving into the, the Word of God, submitting it to people that you're in Christian community with would come to a place where you go, actually, that's what I believe. All that I want to say today around these subjects is that number one, they are fully spiritual. So they don't always make sense to the natural. And as a result of them being spiritual practices, they are challenging at times in this natural world. In other words, they're not convenient. They're a challenge. So it's my prayer for us as a church community that we would just get with the Holy, Holy Spirit Say, Lord, teach us. Show us. We want to grow. We want to be more like you. That's the ultimate goal. Amen. Father, thank you for this community of people. I stand before them today. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I bless them in their coming. I bless them in their going. Father, I thank you. I bless them and their children and their children's children to a thousand generations. We just declare the favour and the blessing of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just go with them. Father, that you would fill their homes. Lord, that, uh, that you would touch them in a way that you've, you've never touched them before. I pray, Father, that they would experience your power and your presence like never before. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use them for your glory, that you would teach us how to be good stewards of the things that you've put in our lives. And Father, today it is our desire that you would receive all the glory. It is our desire that you would receive all the praise. And so we honour you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, bless you for being here today.